Okay, welcome to episode 90 of the United Pubcast, the latest podcast as we are counting the days down till a return to English Premier League. And I think this will be an episode for all you transfer Muppets out there. There's a hell of a lot of rumours out there, so we'll be going through all of those. But first of all, Larry, I take it you're in a good mood. Your um, beloved Bulldogs finally got a win. Yeah, about time, Tom, and hi to you, mate. Um, yeah, well, you know, it seems that I just tend to go for struggling clubs. Um, granted, United were on the way up, but as it currently stood, both teams were struggling because they weren't getting results for one reason or another. Um, so, yeah, so let's hope that once United return, we can continue to see some winning ways. Well, United have been undefeated for months. Well, you could look at it that way, or you could say they're not getting the three points every week. Uh, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. But um, as we mentioned, so as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I think a lot of this will sort of be surrounded a lot of the transfer rumours as they start to heat up. And I think some of them are starting to gain a little bit more sort of credibility and we're getting a little bit more evidence of about sort of each player and their situation. So we're going to look at sort of the Donny van der Beek rumours that have come out over the past 24 hours. The whole Jack Grealish and Jaden Sancho situation is obviously developing. The loan situation at United, both in and out. Then we'll also look at, we only just touched on before we started the podcast, before we went on air, this app, this Apollo V2, I think we'll sort of, we'll touch on later on. And then also we'll finish the podcast just in regards to the latest English Premier League news and obviously the Timo Werner situation with Chelsea. But we will start with Donny van der Beek. He's a player I really like, and I remember this time last year, or this this time last year, sort of the off-season, his name was sort of in and around the sort of transfer speculation and was obviously circulating with the Paul Pogba situation. And I think that will sort of, the same thing will happen now. I think so much of the transfer business, especially in, midfield, in the midfield area, will be centred around or hinging on Paul Pogba's situation. So um, we'll cover that at the start. But... I think this holds a little bit more weight than just a transfer room because Edwin van der Sar has come out, and obviously the chairman at Ajax has come out and confirmed that United are interested, along with Real Madrid, albeit. But um, what would you make of the latest rumours and sort of van der Sar coming out and pretty much confirming that there is concrete interest? United are interested in a good player. I can't say it's surprising news. Van der Beek's good. We've spoken about this before. He's... He plays similar to Pogba. I don't think he's as physical, but I think he reads the game well. Defensively, he plays well, box-to-box midfielder. He's got unbelievable passing range, um, and, he, and he's capable of a finish. In an ideal situation, of course, we keep Pogba. I think this is purely United looking at him, and that's a contingency plan should Paul Pogba end up leaving United. But, look, as we've said, we expect... Well, I now expect Pogba to stay. Um, and, in fact, I'm, I'm, as far as, I'm willing to say as far as I believe he'll sign a new deal. Uh, I just I'm looking at the options around. I'm looking at what Juventus have done in terms of budget cutting. I'm looking at what the Spanish clubs have said, um, and I know I've kind of wandered off with Pogba, but I'm certain that these two things are linked. And if we're keeping Pogba, I don't think Van der Beek comes in. But look, you wouldn't be upset if he came if he was the replacement. He is a fine footballer, no doubt. Yeah, one hundred percent. But you just mentioned Pogba there, and sort of the other part of the Pogba discussion is Real Madrid. And you sort of get a feel for these transfers, sort of all the rumours and speculation, whether it be a short-term sort of bit of news or a long-term bit of news. You always have the feeling that Van der Beek is going to end up at Real Madrid. It just, it just, it's always had that feel. That's the one club he's been majorly linked with. It's a sort of the normal route, sort of Ajax to a big Spanish club sort of thing, whether it be Barcelona or Real Madrid. He's definitely good enough. He's definitely played well against Real Madrid. 
So I'm just thinking, Van der Sar coming out and saying that Man United are interested, do you think there's any case, and I don't know Real Madrid's situation in regards to how they've dealt with this coronavirus situation, but is there a potential of Real Madrid stalling and that is why United might just strike while the iron's hot and say, well, God, here's a player we thought was going to go to Real Madrid. There's a chance if Real Madrid is sort of stalling on this, if we just go in with whatever fee Ajax want now and just pay up front, we get this player. Regardless of the situation with Pogba and Ilo could potentially go out the door in terms of Matic over a year or two, do you think there's just a case of United thinking, geez, he's a good player that we might as well just go for now and save a, save a potential rival getting him? It's got a similar vibe about it to what uh, we saw with Angel Di, uh, Angel Di Maria, um, where you know obviously all the links were PSG and then United swooped in, simply because PSG couldn't get the deal done. Um, and there's almost that similar feeling. Now, obviously, you don't want a repeat situation of how it ends. Um, if Van der Beek is happy to come to United, and the reports suggest that he is, and he believes in the project that Oli and the club are going under, then yeah, that'd be brilliant. Um, but like, like I said, I just there's something with we, we've seen reports that there's some financial situations within La Liga that those clubs are not in a strong position actually compared to say the English sides. Of course, all clubs are going to come out of this different. But you know, you're seeing Barcelona having financial issues, so I can't imagine it's too different at Madrid. So look, it, it's interesting. I definitely think United could pit Madrid to the deal. It wouldn't be the first time that something like this has happened in football. But again, I think it all a lot of it hinges on what happens with Paul. Yeah, no, I agree fully. But you look at the actual player, and okay, he's a player we definitely both would welcome United. He's a fantastic footballer. I almost think of him as sort of a better quality, but more sort of attacking player than Ander Herrera. And I think almost, I would say quite a similar player in terms of style to Andreas Pereira. And I think so many people say, we don't need him because we've got Pogba, we've got Fred, we've got Bruno, etc. Where does he play? And I agree with that sentiment. However, I remember watching a game, it was a Real Madrid game, funny enough, a few years ago, and I forget who it was, but it was quite a big game. I think they were, they were playing Valencia or someone. It was a pretty big game in Spain. And remember their bench, they had Isco, Modric, and I think Casemiro and Gareth Bale all on the bench. And it was just, well, if United want to reach that level where Real Madrid were a couple of years ago in terms of they were the best team in the world, you're going to have to have good players who don't play. And at the moment, our good our players who don't play, or if we were playing football manager, the players who we wouldn't select would be Lingard and Pereira. But I think we want to get to the stage where the players we're not selecting are Fred and sort of, say, Donny van der Beek. They're the players who are going to be on the bench if we want to achieve that top level. So what would you say in regards to, do we need him now? Like, would that put you off the deal? No, not at all. What you're saying is spot on. We've said about McTominay, if we get to a position where he is a squad player, then we're in the right position because we're saying we've actually got quality and depth. I think that's the issue. Even coming into this season, we said United's starting 11 is actually pretty strong, but everything behind that, you're not as confident. So if we can get that depth in the positions, um, we had Roy Keane and Paul Scholes, and then we signed Varon. Now, of course, it didn't work out, but, you know, again, like, if you're using that argument in today's football, you've got the best midfielders, so you need that depth, and you need that competition. Players can rest on their laurels intentionally or not if there's no competition. So I think it's important that we do get that quality in the squad. So for sure, if you can get the deal done, regardless, for sure, you, you want Van Der Beek. He's a quality player. I, th- I think the point you make there in regards to McTominay is a good one because we've been sort of banging that drum for almost a year. Like We both love McTominay and think, it's, we've argued at times, he's almost the first name on the team sheet. But deep down, when you take your sort of your red-tinted glasses off, we've always said, well, we love him, but 
he's probably not good enough to in terms of what we want. But we obviously do want him in the squad. But as you say, he's probably ideally as that person who comes on and plays sort of 20 appearances off the bench, etc. Not someone you're going to rely or pin your hopes on for the season. But moving on to the latest, and again, more transfer news. And I think this... Look, there's definitely a concrete interest in both these players in terms of Jack Grealish and Jaden Sancho. But the latest bit of news is, I think, lazy. It just says Jack Grealish has moved ahead of Jaden Sancho in United's priorities. And I think a lot of that is coming down to sort of finances in terms of we could get a deal done with Grealish, you'd assume, for anywhere from, I'd say, 50 to 70 million, depending on how Aston Villa go um, in the running, if they get relegated or not. And I think Jane Sancho's price is always going to be pretty much set in stone. You'd think it'd probably be around 100 billion, um, regardless of how the transfer market goes. I think Dortmund are in a position where they're pretty confident they can sit tight and demand what they want to demand. So um, the latest bit of Grealish and Sancho news, has it changed your mind on any potential deal for either of them? I don't think so. Like you said, I think it's just lazy journalism. I think it's just sensational headlines. Uh, it's it's United, it's two big names, and it's players we've been linked with. I just they're not, They don't even play the same position. That's why I just think it's lazy. Um, you know, if we were talking about two wingers or two midfielders, perhaps, but... Yeah, I, I thought it was a strange one, Tom. I, I don't really read much into it. I think it's just a slow news week while they wait for football to really ramp up. Um, I, th- I think it's very possible both players end up at United. But we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I remember a few weeks ago, I feel we did a podcast when we were discussing Jack Grealish. And he, he was the one, and again, my opinion sort of changes every single week. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was saying the most likely for me is Jack Grealish. And again, I don't know what, there must have been an article or something which changed my, or swayed my mind at the time. And I've always been in the opinion, as much as I want Sancho, and I'm in with everyone in terms of getting him in, he'd really fix that right-hand side, and you can just dream of a front three of Martial, Rashford and Jaden Sancho. I'm still very hesitant compared to a lot of fans. I'm still, I won't be shocked if Sancho stays at Dortmund. Um, just purely for the situation we find ourselves in and the very strong likelihood that we're not in the Champions League. So Grealish, for me, is still one that, again, in this sort of article there, suggesting that he's sort of moved ahead of Sancho on the priority. I wouldn't so much say that. I think Sancho is definitely the priority. However, I think Grealish is a lot more likely. And again, different positions, different types of players. But um, Grealish is a player who is almost that just attacking player. As much as he's a midfielder in my eyes, he does play quite a bit off the left in terms of that attacking um, position. I don't know if I'm just thinking that because... Um, recently I've been playing FIFA and I just got a Jack Grealish card and he's a left winger, not a central midfielder. Oh, goodness. Well, no, to be fair to you, he's played the majority of this season, in fact, off that left-hand side, but I think that's more the way Aston Villa have said that's how that they can get the most out of him. He's their most attacking player and that gives him the most space. I think in a United team, you'd want him to... You'd see him playing more central, but... Um, and in, in an advanced role, of course, but I think he does give you that versatility. He can play off the left. Say you have an injury crisis, uh, you know, Rashford's gone down, Dan James has gone down, you need to throw someone on the left. It does give you that versatility. So, um, look, he is a good player. Um, and, of course, like, like Van Der Beek, if we could get him, you, you'd love to see it. But, yeah, just... I'm not sure. I, I think for United, he would be... You, I mean, I would think that United would want to use utilise him in that number 10 role. I think that's where I see him suiting into this current system. Yeah, well, we'll just go, just before I forget, we'll just move to a few of the Facebook comments today. We just asked about sort of Grealish, Sancho, etc. Uh, Michael left a comment saying, if we get all three, it'll be great business by United. 
but he thinks in reality we'll end up with Grealish and some other random player. And Robert left a comment saying, I really want Sancho and think he'd do really well in the United squad, especially with a few of his national teammates. And I think that's one of the things, again, I don't want to be critical of United, and this isn't a criticism at all, but I think so much of United's interest in Jaden Sancho is that potential link-up with Rashford and Martial. Okay, Martial's French. But could you imagine Rashford and Sancho from a marketing point of view, if they hit the ground running for United, Ed Woodward, it's a field day for him. Like, it would be absolutely brilliant to have sort of England's two best players up front, sort of the number seven for United, the number 10 for United, two friends, two sort of guys who have grown up in Manchester together. I think it's a dream for Ed Woodward. He also, Robert also said, Grealish is not fussed about unless he was a cheapish option after Aston Villa get relegated. And he's also, Van der Beek is an interesting one with a few possible incomings. There's definitely going to be some going out the other way. I'd definitely give Andreas Pereira away for free. And I, yeah, I don't think that would be met with any arguments from Larry or myself. But um, actually, just moving on to a weird one. We are talking about wingers and I, so many transfer rumours sort of pop up out of nowhere. Um, especially when there's no football, but one that really sort of shocked me, and I don't, I haven't seen any real credible news. I've just sort of seen the sort of clickbait headlines, but suggesting that Dan James is potentially being considered to be moved out on loan by United. What a load of rubbish! That is not going to happen. He just joined the club, and to be fair, look, I know he's dipped off. Um, you know, he started red hot, but I cannot see any situation where you're finally getting some depth in those positions. And then you let him go. Um, I, he's the perfect option. Again, we talk about having a deep squad, something to bring on. He would be perfect. And that's the role he was meant to play this season. Let's not forget that. He's just had to play a lot because of the injuries that we've had. But he'll be a better player. He'll, he'll definitely come on. And I cannot see a situation where he goes. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. And I looked at, we were looking at the... The um, pubcast rankings. Remember the day when we used to play football? We used to give a three-two-one after every game, and we all remember that sort of Dan James really did have a fall, a dip off in form over a few months. But he's up there in like fourth or fifth in terms of the player rankings, in terms of the way we viewed the season in the three-two-ones. So um, I don't think. Look, yes, he definitely had a dip off in form, and if we're looking to win a Champions League, yes, we'd need better than Daniel James. But I think he was. I think he's been brilliant this season in terms of what he is. Okay, he's quite a bit of money from the championship, but at the end of the day, he's a player from the championship. So I think he's been brilliant, and I think that there's players. I would even opt for like you got players like Angel Gomez, Heath Chong. They definitely need a loan before Daniel James. I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest this at all. But I would be sending Mason Greenwood out on loan before Daniel James. I think Greenwood's at a stage in his career where he needs games. He needs games because he's potentially going to go on to become one of the best players in the world. Daniel James isn't going to become that. I think Daniel James is now sort of part of the squad. So, oh yeah, nonsense story um, in my opinion, but who knows, we might be discussing a potential loan on the next podcast. But speaking of a player on loan, and it looks like the parent or the loan club do potentially want to keep him, is Chris Smalling. Um, do you heard anything about that in terms of Roma looking to extend his loan and then at the end of the... Um, at the end of the loan deal, there, there'll be an obligation to buy. I think there's an obligation to buy for about 10 or 15 million. Yeah, very, various journalists are talking about this. And we mentioned it, Tom. I don't mean to put my hand up and say I called it, but I did call it. I said if, if United can't get a permanent, or if Roma can't afford a permanent deal, I very much see a scenario where they just, in fact, extend the loan with an option to buy, um, which wasn't put into this deal. But 
I can definitely see, and he's had a good season. He seems settled in Italy. I think he's found his league at this point in his career as well. And look, I think that that's a good move for all parties involved. I think he's a good defender. I think he's got a sell-on value. It avoids us from selling him to a rival. You know, we saw the links with Arsenal. Um, but it also allows Chris Smalling to continue to thrive in an environment where he's played very well. So kudos to him. And uh, yeah, I, I very much think he'll end up at Roma. Now, whether that's initially a loan to buy or a straight-up deal, we'll wait and see. Yeah, well, I think it's a podcast for another day, but he's still one where obviously all our transfer speculation is centred around attacking players and wide players and midfielders, etc. But I think this, the centre-back issue is still something that does need to be addressed, whether it's given Twan Zabi a chance, whether it's Eric Bay staying fit, who knows. But I still think if we can't, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants a centre-back, if he wants to address that and we can't, I still think we can do worse than bringing Chris Smalling back. I'd rather Chris Smalling in the squad than Phil Jones. So um, I don't think we've heard the end of the Smalling news because who knows what's going to be happening with uh, with our transfer targets at the back. But um, as I said, a um, podcast for another day. But moving on to something I never thought we would be discussing on this podcast. We have discussed some absolute nonsense on this podcast over the past 90 episodes. But this might take the cake. Have you heard of this? I think it's an app. It's called Apollo V2. Have you read any of the articles? I'll give people a rundown of what I know about it. And again, I know nothing about it, but here is what I've got. It is some, it's an app which is designed to measure, it will monitor a player, their calorie intake and their sleeping patterns. So you'll be able to log into this app and you'll be able to see Paul Pogba, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, David De Gea. How many calories they're intaking throughout the day? and the hours they're sleeping. I do not know what to make of this. Is this good? Is this creepy? Is this an invasion of privacy? Is this the way we're moving forward? Is it just another shit show that hits 2020? I'm not sure. I don't know how to take this news, but um, it's out there, and United have seemingly, and Ed Woodward has seemingly sort of signed this partnership with this Apollo V2 app. I'm not against it. If I'm being entirely honest, because I like you know, if you use things like uh, My Fitness Pal as an example, where you have friends and you can monitor what you you know what you're reading and um you know, but you know what's gonna happen, Tom? I can I can already see it. If we have a bad performance or one of those players has a bad performance, you can already see it. Oh look look at this player statistic. He's eating too much. He's not sleeping enough. You know, <laughs> Twitter's gonna be in meltdown. Um. It's just going to be an absolute disaster from that point of view. But look, you have to say credit to Ed Woodward because if the players are happy to do it, which I'm sure they are, if it gives United another stream of income where sponsorship and businesses have naturally taken an impact, it's a good side of business. You have to take any revenue that you can get in at this point in time. So, you know, I get the moral code and everything else, but this sort of information is out there every day for people to share with each other. I don't think it's sharing their address or anything, so I really don't have an issue with it. Do you think the players you mentioned there, and I agree with a lot of points you just made, but you say the players wouldn't have a problem with it. I think some of the players, and maybe not a problem with it, but I think that some of the players would be hesitant as to, hang on, why on earth do you need this? I understand a marketing point of view, but... You don't need this. Like, could you imagine, as you just mentioned there, could you imagine after a result and you lose the game, we start pointing fingers at that. Could you imagine, and we take a little bit of banter from it, but could you imagine Luke Shaw? He would have the world's media scrutinising over the calories he's eaten. 
I reckon he'll just lie, you know. He'll, he'll be like, oh, I had some, I had some fried chicken for dinner. Oh, I'll just put in it was a grilled chicken with some broccoli. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they can manipulate the data. So I wouldn't be too concerned, to be honest. They're going to sign it. I think that's yeah. one thing. I think it'll be interesting. Again, United will be the front runners in this. It'll be interesting to see how much is just generic and maybe, as you say, sort of false data being pumped in just to make United look good rather than accurate information because I'm not sure how much accurate information um, will be allowed to get out there to the public in regards to yeah, someone's personal information but again I think once uh, more information comes about that app we'll read a little bit more about it and I'm, and I'm sure as much as I was sort of off the bat not a fan of it I'm sure once it comes out I'll be the first to log into the app and um, check on one matter's sleeping patterns make sure he's fast asleep but we'll move on to actual just Premier League news because it is how many more days for the Premier League? Ten days? Nine days? I think by the time you listen to this. Uh, so for our time, where it'll be a Thursday morning our time, Arsenal v City. Yeah, so we're we're currently uh ten days away. So, uh, so yeah, nine days there. away by the time you're listening to this. But the, the big getting news, close? and again, it's nothing has been confirmed. But the big news, obviously, again, it came out of the blue a little bit. Um, was Timo Werner pretty much agreed terms with Chelsea? Did you see that one coming? Yeah, that's a strange one. I mean, I, I'm know about you. I was almost certain he was going to Liverpool, but look, credit to Chelsea. They've obviously people need to remember that they have had a transfer ban, so they would have been planning for their transfers well in advance, well aware that they need to start, you know, catching up to their rivals. So it, it makes sense that Chelsea are getting this deal done. Um, I think it's a deal that, you know, if you look at their team, I think it's one that they've needed to do. From a United perspective, am I jealous? Not really. I think he's in a very similar mould to a Marcus Rashford. I think he's probably more rounded than Rashford is at this point in his career. But he's also a year or two older. So, you know, I think if Rashford continues on the trajectory of what we've seen this season, I, I don't think we're missing out on much. I think he's a good footballer. He's very versatile. So it's a great signing for Chelsea. It's someone that they've probably needed to replace like what they lost with Eden Hazard. Um, but like from a United perspective, I, I think this is the right choice. I don't think he's a sort of player we need at the moment. Yeah, well, we sort of we mentioned that on the podcast maybe a week or two ago in terms of the similarities he has to sort of a, a Marcus Rashford or Anthony Martial. But my sort of talking point and my issue with the transfer, again, fantastic for Chelsea. He's a good player. He's going to a big club. or well, we can argue Chelsea's a big club, etc. But it's the reaction from United fans. Okay, we didn't sign a player, but other player, other teams are going to have good players. And I, the reaction, I remember Goldbridge, Mark Goldbridge, for, I'm sure a lot of our listeners watched the United stand. He was on two weeks ago saying, don't want Timo Werner. Um, we've got Mark Trump, got Martial. We need to address Jaden Sancho. And we need to address this area, this area. And then we signed, then Chelsea signed Jay, um, sort of Timo Werner. And he's gone, what is Ed Woodward doing? We need to get these deals done. I'm thinking, big teams are going to have very good players. We have to deal with it. I'm sure Chelsea's not going to moan when we sign a player. When we sign Donny van der Beek, they're not going to go, what's Lampard doing? Get Lampard out. I just don't understand the overreaction to, or the negativity surrounding Werner going to Chelsea. I mean, good player, going to a good club. That's, that happens. Absolutely, I think it's just simply fan sensationalism. I and look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about other channels too much. Um, I, you know, I, I've made my thoughts known about what I think of that channel and that individual and the way that they carry themselves. But I, I have no issue with what United are doing. The transfer window is not even open yet. I think that that's a very important factor in this. I think this is purely come about because 
uh, his release clause needed to be met by a certain date. Um, because if things were in their natural progression in terms of the football calendar, the transfer, um, you know, the football would have ended um, and then we obviously have the transfer window in July. So I think it's purely Chelsea taking advantage of that release clause that is in Timo Werner's contract. And look, as we said, it's a good signing. And like you said, he, they're a good club. They recruit top players. It's not the first time they'll recruit a top player and it certainly won't be the last. It doesn't mean that we won't do anything. Let's judge what United's window looks like once the transfer window opens and closes. Now, it, it hasn't overnight become the Chelsea podcast, but staying with Chelsea, and you just mentioned they've done some good business in the past and they're sort of, they do their recruitment the right way. However, I'll throw this one at you to challenge that. Ben Chilwell for $80 million. Mate, that's the football market. It's mental. But at the end of the day, if you look at what Chelsea's weaknesses are, I think Alonso is a very fine attacking fullback. Um, he, to be fair, he's probably what people look at and hope Luke Shaw would offer going forward. But the weaknesses in his game, and in fact Chelsea has been, they don't have a fullback. Um, well, a defensive-minded fullback. The balance isn't quite there. So while Alonso is quite adventurous, his defense leaves little to be desired. So that would be a good signing. Now, again, we, we can go back to the Harry Maguire transfer. Is that player worth $80 million? Well, no. But a player, at the end of the day, is only worth as much as a club is willing to pay. The transfers have been crazy since the 90s, Tom. I, like, you know, we've seen football... Let me put this one back to you. Um, I think it was Brian Robson at the time. When United signed Brian Robson, I think that was the around the club's... 50, like the 50% of the oh, club's yeah. revenue yeah. at the time, right? So if we put that into transfer, if we put that into the current market, that would be United paying £300 million for a player because we recorded a £600 million uh, revenue last financial year. So again, if we're putting things in perspective, it's just that the value of money in the market has gone crazy. So I don't think that player is worth £80 million, but does he improve Chelsea? Yes. And will they get better results from that player? Probably. So in the long term, I think that's a good signing for sure. I think you're right in regards to everything, in regards to the player. And that's, at the end of the day, all we care about in terms of any fan. Does this player improve our team? Does he improve our chances of winning football matches? The price means nothing to us. But in this current market, the price does mean something, I think. I think eighty. I don't think this will happen. It's just the rumour at the moment. But if he goes for eighty million, I'm telling you, if, if Brandon Williams signs a new contract, which he's likely to do, and Brandon Williams has two good seasons at United, I'm telling you, Brandon Williams then goes for hundred fifty million if Ben Chilwell's worth eighty at the moment. I take your point, though. I do think that's a slight exaggeration, but no, you're you're right. And the other thing we need to take into account is when the English media report these transfer fees, they're giving you the full value. Yeah. No club ever pay for example United didn't pay 80 million up front for Harry Maguire in fact I'm certain the deal was uh, I think it was 60 or 65 million up front and well, then there was which is a quite that. a big chunk compared to what usually in terms of that upfront fee 60 million was quite a hefty well, I think when the Pogba deal it was something like okay 90 million pound deal but I think it was you know, like 30 million in the first season or something yeah, you're right. It was a big upfront uh, fee, but that's what Leicester wanted to get the deal done. Again, but it's an anomaly, and when you're talking English to English clubs, they will charge a premium because, again, you're selling to your rivals. So it, it makes sense, And but again, my original point was we're looking at the full figure. So let's wait and see where this deal, if it even happens, how much it's worth. 
And you're right, it will dictate the market. I think there's a little bit of hesitance from all the Premier League clubs at the moment to see who's going to set the trends for how much a player costs. We saw yeah. with PSG, Acardi went for 45 million euros. So let, let's just wait and see for a few more transfers to see what happens. Well, speaking of, and just in regards to the last point of this week's podcast, so much talk there in the last couple of minutes about prices and the market, etc. There was a report on, I think it was either the BBC or Sky, so saying someone was of the suggestion that a salary cap should be introduced. I think it might have been someone from FIFA was saying that maybe over the coming years to deal with this, a salary cap would be a good idea if that was some type of salary cap. I don't know how it was sort of put forward. It, obviously, we're Australian, so a lot of the Australian sports, the A-League here in Australia, they have it. Rugby League um, uses the salary cap as well. Do you think it could ever work in the English Premier League, or, or would you be for it, or is it complete, you would be completely against it? it, it it's, it's definitely possible. I'm, I'm not against players earning as much as you know th- they're able to earn, um, but in saying that, if, there's, if that's what's needed to protect clubs from being reckless against themselves, then for sure I understand that. Um, look, I think it could work. I think it's just a matter of how much. Like, we've seen it in the NBA. There are players there who earn ridiculous amounts of money, but they do have a salary cap. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Could it work? Yes, but I think it's a long way off, even if it were to be introduced. You'd have to think the whole infrastructure of the game would change. Transfer fees would then have to change. So there's a lot to go into it. Yeah, I think that's definitely the podcast where you could uh, we could sit down for an hour and discuss the ins and outs because I think it is quite interesting. And I think, again, we have no idea how this market will unfold. But I'm sure when we do have a clearer picture of how it does, um, it might change our opinion on sort of the whole salary cap idea. But um, is there anything else in regards to news that I've missed this week for the podcast? No, mate, I think we've covered off everything, so... Look, we're, again, Tom, we're, we're getting closer, baby. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this. Um, we might even need a... Uh, when do we? When do United versus Tottenham? I think we should cover that because the date has come out since we last it, recorded. Th- that'll be a Saturday morning, Saturday the 20th. So it's 5.15am kickoff in Sydney, which is not too bad on a Saturday morning. You can get up. I'll probably set the alarm for like 4.30 or something, get the team news. Um, be gutted when Andreas Pereira and Phil Jones are named in the starting lineup. But um, <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of fives and threes for the first four games. Um, five AMs and three AMs. So, oh, Joey, um, that'll be good. Um, what I think is worth, um, what I think is worth covering is just to let our listeners know this Thursday uh, for this week's podcast. You know, the Thursday where we like to mix things up, give you something a little bit different. Um, you've obviously would have seen that we've gone with David Moyes and Louis Van Gaal. We've covered off uh, their, you know, what went wrong um, in our What Went Wrong series. Maybe it's a player that we could do it on in the future, but we'll be looking at Jose Mourinho and what went wrong with his tenure at Manchester United. And obviously it's a good time to do it uh, on the eve, obviously, of United versus Tottenham. I think it'll be a good opportunity for us to look at what did Jose do right? What did he do wrong? And perhaps what could he have done better? Yeah, no, looking forward to that one. And I don't know what I'm looking forward to more, either that podcast, because I think, yeah, I love doing the David Moyes one. I thought the Van Hal one was fantastic to do, but I think the Mourinho one is just another sort of added flavour to that. There's so much to talk about, but as you say, moving into, I just saw a photo of that old sort of meme that gets thrown around. It had Solskjaer patting Mourinho on the head after Solskjaer beating <laughs> earlier in the season. So I don't know what I'm looking forward to, either that podcast or United v Tottenham, because if there's one team you probably don't want to play on after this type of return to football. 
is the Jose Mourinho team who's prepared to go and spoil the party. So um, as much as we're looking forward to this first game, I can't lie, um, I am feeling the pinch a little bit, a little bit nervous, I must add. Oh, yeah, I mean, you just, you feel like the way Mourinho plays, the way we play, but you know what, the closer we get to the game, and I'm, I'm probably going to eat shit after saying this comment, um, you just look at the way that United are positioned, the way we're training, the reports that are coming out of the club is training has been excellent, uh, the players are really bubbly, ready for it. Tom, we haven't spoken about the 4-4 draw, um, United yeah. against United, it's like a game of FIFA going on. Do you believe that in terms of, do we have any, and I've got no reason not to believe it, but um, it's very, we've spoken, I've spoken to Josh last week on the podcast about sort of United's PR, and I don't want to, I don't want to sort of question this, but I do have to look, okay, we all want Pogba to play well, he did, we want Bruno to play well, he did, Marcus Rashford scores a hat-trick, um, were you a little bit dubious, or do you believe it? Um, it did come from a few places, I think Simon Stone even confirmed those scores, and he's a... Yeah. You know, what they call a tier one United journalist. So, no, oh, yeah, I've got I no reason trust. to question it. Just, um, it did raise an eyebrow or two that it was so sort of perfect for United fans. And yeah, I mean, no doubt. But you know what? These are our best players, Tom. And if you just consider the purple patch that we were going into, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see the prospect of a Pogba-Fernandez midfield. Um, in fact, if it even starts that way, personally, I don't think that we'll start with both of those against Tottenham. Um, but again, look, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, no, we'll definitely preview the Tottenham match um, this time next week. I think we'll do that. So um, hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. It sort of flew by for us. Um, I've got dinner on the stove I need to check on. But um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, make sure you subscribe on your podcast app, whatever it might be, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. And if you do have the option to give a rating or a review, please do. It'll make me and Larry sleep a lot easier at night. And we'll chat to you again on the Jose Mourinho podcast on Thursday. So hope everyone has a good week and speak to you then. Bye. Cheers.